when I think about what he's done for me. I'm thankful today to be here. And I do consider this being back home. Thankful for Pastor Gene, his wife, his family, Brother Kyle and Sister Amanda and their family. I'm just thankful for everybody that's here today. Thank you for your support. God's moving in Danville. We've been there two Sundays and then have been preaching out the rest, but the two Sundays we've been there, God's been moving. I'll tell you this before we get into the Word. I'll let you go ahead and get into the Word with me. In James 4.14 is where we're going to be beginning. I apologize in advance. I gave you nothing. Forgive me. I was at work the other day. Is this mine right here? I was at work the other day. And my, the assistant manager there at the bank, she said, Mason, she said, I want you to know something. I said, okay, what's that? She said, I drove by your church the other day. It was around 11 o'clock. And I said, okay. Because she knew what was coming next, what was going to come out of my mouth. And she said, you know, she said, I have driven by that church every Sunday for a long time. And she said, this past Sunday, she said, I literally began, tears began to fill my eyes. She said, because I have never seen the parking lot that full in all of the years that I've been driving by that church. She said, if I tried to pull in, she said, I know I could not put my car in that parking lot. And I told her, I said, well, did you try? I said, because I'm sure we could have found you a place to park. She said, no, I didn't try. The next day she came to me and she said, you know, she said, ever since you asked me that, she said, I've just been feeling a tug to come visit you at church. And I said, you know what? We would love for you to be there. She said, I don't have skirts. She said, I, I, I just have pants and, you know, shirt. And I said, that's fine. Come as you are. I said, just come clothed. We'd love to have you there. She said, you know what? She said, she told me, she said, I have this pre-planned. She said, but when... She said, when I don't have anything with my kids, she said, I promise you, the first Sunday I'm free, she said, I'm coming to hear you. I said, well, come on. I'm thankful for what God's doing in Danville. It's a mission field. It is a mission field. But I'm glad that we have accepted the calling. And it's nothing like, I mean, Jess and I, we've had nothing to do with it. It's all God. And we are going to continue to pray and fast and seek God because we believe that there's going to be a great church in Danville. There already is. But we believe that God's going to continue to do great things. If you will turn with me to the book of James chapter 4 beginning with verse number 14. The Bible says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow for what is your life. If you begin to think about that, what is your life? What is it? You don't know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. The Bible describes your life as it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then it vanishes away. The Bible here is describing our life. 
our life as a vapor. Here, and then it's gone. So it is in the in-between time of you being here and the time that you leave. That is what matters to God. So for the next few moments, by the help of the Lord, I'm going to preach to us on this subject. There are no altars in hell. God bless the reading of the word. You may be seated here today. When we begin to think of the word life, you along with everyone else have three things in common. You have a past, you have a present, and you have a future. So today, what you have done in your past, listen to me and listen to me well. Today, what you have done in your past is under the blood of Jesus Christ. But what you do today, it will affect your future. The book of James 4th chapter 14th verse is very clear about this life that we live because like I said earlier, your life is here and then it's gone. So while we are living in the in-between time of here and gone, we need to make it a priority of ours to draw closer to the things of God than we ever have before. We have got to do everything that we can to make sure that we are ready to go while we are living in this in-between times of our lives. Can I get an amen somebody? And it's it's time that we as the apostolic church in general in this day and hour begin to rise up and say there's nothing on this earth that's going to stop me from having a move of God in my life because you know what? I don't know what's going to happen to me tomorrow so while I have time I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that God knows That I'm ready to meet Him. That God knows that I'm here to have church. It's in the in-between times that count. So in order to draw closer to God, we got to understand that our relationship with God must begin and start at an altar. In Genesis 8 and 20 verses 9... uh, 8 and 20 going through 9 and 1, the Bible says, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord. He took every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. The Lord smelled a sweet savor and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. The Bible says in 9 and 1, And God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. The establishment, construction, and ownership of an altar is mentioned 378 times in the Word of God. God has placed great emphasis on altars throughout our Bible. An altar is a meeting place for God and humanity. It is a place where God accepts the sacrifice and in return blesses the individual who gave the sacrifice. An altar is a place for God's mercy to come down. It is a place of communication and direction from God. It is the place of submission for humanity. You see, an altar was so important that he required it in the tabernacle in the wilderness. The brazen altar was put directly in the front of the entrance into the tabernacle. You see, church, the first order of business that was conducted in the church, it started at the altar of God. And you know what? Failure to do so, it resulted in death. 
You see, an altar was so important that God even has one in heaven. In the book of Revelations chapter 8 and 3, the Bible says, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should not offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar which stood before the throne. I would submit to this church today that an altar is a very important asset in the kingdom of God. You see, because lives are changed at the altars of God. You see this area right here, it is more than just the area of this building. It is a place where heaven comes down and it is a place where God interacts with his people. It's more than just a place that we can play basketball. It's more than just a place where we can play some dodgeball. Listen to me, if you come up here, you will see marks where people have shouted, where people have danced before the glory of God. And if you look long enough, there may be some faded marks where tears have fell from somebody's face because the Shekinah glory of God began to fall upon them. Let me tell you something, it was at these altars where my life was changed and a new calling from God began to seep over my life. I'm thankful for what God has done at the altars. I'm thankful to know that my relationship with God is not just one where I have to come to church and say, well, you know what, God, I'm here in your house. No, it can leave these four walls. I'm thankful to know that I was a part of a church here in Salem that did not believe in having any walls, that we would go beyond the boundaries and the confines of a building and we would go and we would preach and we would teach and God would begin to move in our lives. There's not enough pages in a book, time in a day, or space on a flash drive to begin to tell you of all of the wonderful things that have happened at the altars of God. Please don't misunderstand me for one moment. An altar is not so much about the place as it is about the purpose and the person. What is our purpose when we come to the altar? It is to give a sacrifice of praise. It's got to be given in order to receive. There's many times, and I'll be honest with you, there's been plenty enough times where I could not imagine going to the altars and saying, you know what, God, I've been through this, I've been through that. Why do I want to come and sacrifice something? But I've noticed it was at the hardest times of my life that when I would submit myself to the will and to the power of God and I would begin to step out and push past some boundaries that were limiting me and I said you know what God it doesn't matter what I've been through it doesn't matter what my family's going through right now if I can push past the boundaries if I can just break through for just a moment God I know you're going to meet me there it was at the altars where God said my relationship with you is deeper than you could ever imagine it was at the altars of God where he said, I promised you I would never leave you or forsake you. It was at the altars where I began to understand that the scripture was more than just words in a book, but it was God speaking directly to me. Where he said, lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the world. I promise you, church, it's not just something that I'm preaching to you saying that it happened. It happened to me. I have an experience that I will never forget. And it all started at the altars of God. An altar can be any place where you submit yourself to worship and give God your undivided attention.
Listen to me, I understand that when we come to church that we have other priorities going on. What's going on when I leave here? How many dishes do I have in the sink? How many clothes do I have to fold? I thank God that my wife does that for me. How many clothes do I have to fold? Or, or what's work going to be like tomorrow? Or We all have different things that we can ask. And you know what? That becomes a hindrance. It becomes a distraction. I can get a little more further than that. What's going on on Facebook today? What's going on on Instagram today? Or what's going on on Snapchat what, while the preacher's preaching? Listen to me. Anything can be a priority of yours if you devote your time and your dedication to it. So let me go on and say this. When we're in the house of God, our undivided attention needs to be for the things of God. Now, if I can say this in my personal opinion, I feel very guilty when I come into the house of God and I don't worship Him. I've done it. I'm not going to lie to you. I've done it. I've, I've been to church and I didn't feel like worshiping. I sat there. I felt very guilty about it. Because like I said, you don't know like I know what God has done for me. And so you know what? Me sitting on a chair or sitting on a pew when I know that God has brought my family a very long way that when God has saved my sins that I know that God died for me he shed his blood for me he gave his life on Calvary then why should I begin to sit there and say you know what God I'm not going to worship you I'm not going to feel after your presence because I know that without a shadow of a doubt that you've done some great things for me I get happy when I think about everything that he's done for me. I begin to shout when I think about what he's done for me. I feel very guilty when I come to church and I don't feel after the presence of God. And I don't seek him. And I don't yield to the power of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. You don't know what could happen to you when you leave this place. So it needs to be a priority of yours every time that you come here to receive something from God. I was preaching a service a few years ago. And we had an 18-year-old drummer. And the power of the Holy Ghost just began to move. And the preaching of the Word came forth and... This drummer I watched, he shouted from the altar to altar, just from side to side. He began to just go, and I, I, began th I, I remember thinking to myself, he's really getting a blessing. While there were some people just sitting there watching him. I was getting happy watching him. I didn't know what he was going through. I didn't know what was going to happen to him. I, did, I didn't know what he was going through at home. All I know is that at that church service, God moved upon him. I can remember him speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And I can just begin, I, I remember just watching him saying, Thank you, God, for what you're doing in his life. So, you know, like us preachers, we love to stay and talk after church. And there's some people that just love to talk 30 minutes to an hour. When we're just inching closer to the door without them noticing, this was one of those services. 
because I had to get on the road. I had to get back home. I can remember going to the door and hearing all of these sirens going. I saw fire trucks flashing. I saw ambulances going by. I saw police cars going by. Little did I know that the drummer that was shouting from side to side, there was a car that veered over and hit him head on and killed him instantly. He didn't know that night that he was shouting and speaking in other tongues as the Spirit was giving utterance that he was going to meet his maker that night. But the only thing that he had on his mind that night was I'm not leaving this service until I get what I need from God. Let me tell you something, church. It's important when you come to church not to walk out of the doors the same way that you came in here. It's important to leave this church changed. Because Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. And that God is going to come back after people who have made their self ready. So let me go on and tell you this. If I need to shout a little bit in service, you better get out of my way because I'm going to shout. If I need to run a little bit, you better get out of my way because I'm going to take a lap. If I need to jump, you better get out of my way because I don't know which way my arms are going to move. I'm going to jump to my ability because I know that God has something for me. And when you've done that, God is going to move and great things are going to happen. So I've come to ask you today, did anybody come to touch God today? Did anybody come to seek God today? Did anybody come to find God today? Did anybody come to give Him praise today? Did anybody come seeking an answer today? Did anybody come needing direction in your life today? Then I tell you today... All of that can happen at the altars of God. If you want to feel Him, seek Him at an altar. If you want to find Him, church, seek Him at an altar. If you want to give Him praise, then why don't you begin to seek Him at the altar? The first recorded altar builder in the Word of God was Noah. Nowhere in the Bible before the flood is there mention of an altar. You see, Cain and Abel, the Bible says they gave sacrifice. But no altar was built. The first thing that Noah did when he came off the ark after the flood was he built an altar. Why? Because Noah was thankful that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord that day. Because Noah made a new beginning in his life that day. Something happens when you come to an altar ready for change in your life. You're not going to get changed. You're not going to leave this church differently if you come up here and you stand up here and there's no motive whatsoever. You're going to, if you won't change in your life, you've got to be willing for God to change you. You've got to be willing for God to come inside of you and say, hey, you know what, everything that's going on right now, I'm just going to cleanse you of that. But if you're not willing for God to move in your life, you better forget it because it's not going to happen. You've got to be a willing vessel for God to be able to use you. Sometimes, and I'm, I'm speaking from experience, sometimes we're going to go through things in life and we're not always going to understand why God is allowing us to go through these things. We're not. 
But let me assure you that no matter the battles that you're going through, that God is with you every step of the way. You know what? It took me a little while to realize that. But after I found out that God was walking hand in hand with me, my fight got a little bit easier. My fight got a little better because I knew that God was walking with me. Let me go on and say this. Don't you for once judge somebody that walks through these doors that don't look like you, that don't talk like you, that don't walk like you, that don't act like you, that don't dress like you. You don't know what they're going through. You need to be thankful that God has allowed these doors to be open for whosoever will. Because the waters in this place are troubled. And if you're wanting God to move in your life, then come and drink of the water of life freely today. You see, it's at the altars of God where sinners' lives can be transformed. It ought to be your prayer in this church today. God, send us some new lives into our churches so they can find the altars of transformation. Lives are changed at the altars of God in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He's a new creature. He's not going to look like you, but he's a new creature. He's not going to walk like you, but he's new. You see why he's new? Because the Bible says old things are passed away. It's not our business to remind them of the things that they've went through in their life. It's not our business when the blood of Jesus Christ has covered them to say, well, you know what? I'm going to look at you differently because I know you've done this. No, old things are passed away and all things have become new. You see, because lives are changed at the altars. Genesis 22, 9 through 13, we find that it's at an altar where a way out can be provided. Because the Bible says, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abram built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar of the wood. Abraham stretched forth his hand, took his knife to slay his son. The angel of the Lord came unto him and said, out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here am I. He said, lay not thine hand upon thy lad, neither doest anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, it behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Abraham went unto the ram and offered him a burnt offering instead of his son. Let me say this to you, church. There's going to be times that you're going to go through things, and you're going to have some pretty questionable things that are going to happen to you. And there's going to be times you're going to look and say, God, why me? But it's in the time of your questioning that God is going to tell you, if you will just have patience with me, there's going to be a way out provided for you. You don't know how it's coming. You don't know where it's coming from. All you got to do is wait upon me, and I promise you I'm going to give you a way out. It's during those times that you're willing to step out of your comfort zone. And a time that you are willing to launch yourself out into the deep. That God will begin to move and God will begin to make a way for you. I remember last summer my dad and my little brother, they were swimming. And my little brother, he was afraid to go into the deep end. And he would go a little bit and he'd test the, the slope of the pool and... <laughs> 
There were a few times where he'd slip down and he'd frantically get back to the shallow end. And my dad would just sit there and watch him. And my dad told him, he said, Jace, this is the same way with our spiritual lives. He said, because some people are comfortable in the shallow walks with God and the shallow feel-good encounters of God. But when we have to get into the deep end, we become nervous and we become scared and we try to get back to the shallow end where we're comfortable with the things that we've been through. And, and you know, and, and when, we're in, when in reality, it's in the deep end of the pool where we learn to swim. It's in the deep things of life where we learn how to do life. Let me go on and say this. There's some people in this room that have come into this church today to search for some answers in their life. And, and I've let you know that God is about to give you the way out that you've been praying for because God really wants to do a miracle in your life. But here's a disclaimer to you. If all you want is a shallow feel-good experience with God and a shallow miracle from God, stay in the shallow end of the pool. If you want some ankle-deep experiences with God, that's fine. Just wallow in the ankle-deep water. If you want some knee-deep experiences with God, why don't you wait out just a little bit and see what God can do because there's some deep things of God that He's wanting to do for you, but you're not willing to allow God to do those because you're stuck in the shallow end of the pool. And God's just giving you some shallow miracles. He's waiting on somebody to step out into the deep and get uncomfortable. And because he's going to give you some, some, uh, some deep miracles with him. But you're not going to receive any deep things from God if you don't launch yourself into the deep. It's my prayer that I can go deeper with God every single day. Because I don't want some shallow feel-good experience when I come to church. I don't want some knee-deep experiences when I come to church. And I'll say this, I don't want no knee-deep services when I come to church. I want God to move to the fullest of His power and His ability. And the only way that God is going to move is if the church will allow Him to move in the deep water. I'm thankful today for the deep water because it's in the deep places of God. Where I've learned that God is always with me. You see, the shallow wind is like training wheels on a bicycle. You're not going to fall. You're not going to hurt yourself. You're, you can stand back up if you fall. But when you're not sure of where your feet's going to land because you can't feel the bottom, that's when you really begin to trust God. That's when you really begin to gain a deeper relationship with God when you don't know what's around you when you don't know what's under you what's above you you just know that if I keep my trust in God that I know that God's going to see me out that is the true relationship with God you see churches at an altar that promises are made Genesis 12 and 7, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, well, unto thy seed will I give this land and there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him it's at an altar that God can appear, Genesis 35 and 7. And he built there an altar and called the place Hell Bethel because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. Can I stop and tell you this? When God shows up, anything is possible. 
I don't think you heard me today. I said when God shows up, anything is possible. You see the impossibilities that you face in your life, the impossible things where you have been saying, God, where are you in my situation? God, where are you when I needed you the most? If you will show up at the altar, God will meet you there. Let me go on and tell you this. I get sick and tired of people saying this. Well, I prayed for this and I prayed for that, but God's never done anything for me yet. God hasn't came through and I've been praying for a very long time. I want to look at some people and say, well, boo-hoo. Because here's the reason why. Have you, ever, have you ever thought about that God doesn't work on your time? That God's not always there when, when you need him the most? But here's the thing. God will work on his time and you will find out that his time is the time that you did need him the most. God is never going to fail you. So if I can tell you this, keep praying, keep fasting, keep seeking God because God will show up. It may not be in your time. It may not be when you like it, but God's going to show up. It's at an altar where God will fight your battles. Exodus 17, 15, and 16, the Bible says Moses built an altar called the name of a Jehovah Nisi, for he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. If there's somebody in this church today that's fighting a battle and you feel like it's way too big for you to win this thing alone, listen to me, you have a God on your side that will fight for you. And as long as you have God on your side, there's not an enemy out there that can prevail against you because the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church and you know what the Bible also says that no weapon that that is formed against me shall prosper why in the world are you worrying about something that you should have given to God a long time ago it's at an altar that God can consume your sacrifice and let the fire fall For sake of time, I'm not going to tell you the whole story. But we find where 450 false prophets were faced against Elijah. And Elijah, he mocked them and they they prayed at morning, noon, and and midday. They cut themselves. Blood was gushing. And we find out that Baal could not answer their prayers. And Elijah, he said, why don't you go get me 12 barrels of water? Pour it on this altar place. Because Elijah knew that water was a substance that could keep the fire out. But he wanted to show them that day that the God that's going to answer by fire is my God. Let me go on and tell you this. There's no telling what's going to happen when you begin to have the same faith that Elijah had. God, I don't know how you're going to do it. I just know that you're going to do it. So we find out that Elijah had 12 barrels poured on and and he began to pray, and, and it wasn't a long, elaborate prayer. He just said, God, it's not me that's about to do this. It's you. And all of a sudden, the Bible says the fire fell, and it licked all the water and the dust on the altar and around the, the, around the place. Because we know that there was so much faith in that man that God was going to show up and show out. I said it before, I'll say it again. The impossibilities that we face in our life is not impossible for our God. So if I can tell you this, keep worshiping, keep praising, keep living a life full of holiness and separation, and God will continue to fight your battles. It's at an altar that you can have an experience with God. 
we find in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, and we know this. They were all gathered in one accord in one place, the Bible says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Can you imagine what would happen if we all came to church for the same exact purpose? Can you imagine the move of God that we could experience if we all came for one purpose? And that is to come into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and be thankful unto him and bless his name. If we came to worship God, that's the only reason we should come to church is to lift God up, to give him praise, to magnify him. But there's some people who won't do that. But most importantly, it's at the altar where you can find God again. Genesis 13 and 4, into the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Micah 7 and 8 says, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemies. When I fall, I shall arise. Not I might, not in 10 years. It's not, let me tell you, when I fall, you better get out of my way because I'm getting up. I'm going to arise. When I sit in darkness, you see the Lord, He's going to be my light. You better get out of my way, enemy, because I've fallen and I don't need help getting up. Let me tell you this, you fall seven times, you get up eight. We got to get up, we got to keep moving forward. Let me say this, there have been many people who have fallen away from God. And you better listen to me and listen to me well. Do not lose hope on them. Do not lose hope on them. You ought to thank God every time that a backslider walks to those back doors. You ought to thank God that every time a backslider makes their way to the altars of God... Because maybe, just maybe, they're going to find themselves back to a relationship that they used to have. Don't give up on family members. Don't give up on friends. Because in due time, God's going to bring them back to reality and show them what they're missing. As I begin to bring my plane to a landing, the book of Luke chapter 15, 11 through 24 the Bible says, and there was a certain man who had two sons. The younger of them said unto his father, Father, give me the portions of good that falleth to me. He divided unto them his living, and not many days after, the younger son gathered, and he left. He took a journey into a far country. The Bible says there he wasted his substance of righteous living, and when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine, and he would have fain filled his belly, and with the husk that the swine did eat, no man gave to him. Nobody. This boy had it all. Everything he needed was back home. Everything that he could have ever imagined was back home. He had food, he had water, he had a bed, he had a roof over his house, but now he finds himself saying, you know what, I don't want to be here anymore. I want all that I have and I'm gone. So now we find him, he finds himself in a messy situation. 
It doesn't matter. Listen to me. It does not matter how far that one has strayed from God. Here's the reason why. Because as, as long as they know how to get back to the altars of God, He's going to change them. He's going to wrap His loving arms around them. As long as they know how to get back to the Father's house, He's going to meet them there. Luke 16, 19 through 31. The Bible says there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and he fared sumptuously every day and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. He was desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. One was carried. One was buried. Verse 23 is something that is surreal. Because the Bible then begins to say, After he was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment. Not just one torment. Not just one torment. He was in torments. And he seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. He wouldn't ask him for a waterfall to come down and sprinkle hell with it. He wouldn't ask him for a bottle of water. He said, will you send Lazarus that he may dip his finger in in water. All I'm asking for is a drop to cool my tongue because this man is in torments. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. Now, this is Jesus speaking, and likewise Lazarus. Evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And besides all of this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can you pass here that thou would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. This place was so bad that he said, will you send him to my father's house? Because I got brothers in my father's house that need to know that hell is not a place where they belong. But yet he said, we cannot. And here's the reason why. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear. He said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto from the dead and they repent, he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one who rose from the dead. They had preachers. They had prophets. But yet they're not listening to the stern warnings coming from hell. This day and hour that we live in, we have preachers, we have prophets, we have people preaching about hell all the time. But yet there's people who will let it go in one ear and out the other. 
And if I can tell you anything, it would be this. Will you please, for your sake, listen to the message that is coming from hell today. That hell is not a place that the church belongs. Abraham told him they had preachers there. The rich man said, but they're not going to listen to them. Maybe that they would listen to someone that would rose from the dead. Take it to heart that hell is not a place where repentance is. You can cry. You can beg. You can plead to God all day long. But God will never hear the prayers from hell. You see, because there is no altar of repentance in hell. There's no meeting place with God there. The rich man is screaming out to somebody in this church today that hell is not a place where we belong. And if you're playing games with God, today is the time that the game's in and let God take over your life today. You see, we don't have much longer here. And God's going to come back after a church who has made herself ready. If we're not ready to go, we're going to find ourselves in the same situation that the rich man's in. The rich man would have us finish the story of the prodigal son if the musicians will come and we stand to our feet today. We left off at verse 16 to where he got everything from his father. We know that he was in the house. We know that he, everything that he, he could have ever wanted was in the house. He had food in the house. He had drinks in the house. He had bread in the house. He had shelter in the house. He had everything that he could have imagined in the house. But he said, Father, I want it all. So now we pick up at 17 and the son's in the pig pen. He's filthy. He's smelly and... And, and he begins in verse 17. The Bible says when he came to himself, he said, How many people, how many hired servants are in my father's house have bread enough to eat and to spare? And I sit here and perish with hunger. He's asking himself, How many people are sitting at my house eating my food, drinking from my cup, but yet I'm sitting here away from everything that I know and I'm starving the Bible says he came to himself even though he was nasty even though he was smelly and in a pig pen he says I know what's back home I know what's back home but I'm stuck here and I'm hungry, I'm starving, and I'm thirsty. I'm perishing away. 18 says, I will arise and I will go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Just make me as one of your hires. I don't care to be called your son. I don't care to have that title anymore. I will wash your clothes, I'll wash your sheets, I'll cook your food, I'll wash your dishes. Make me a servant. I just want to come back home. I'll do everything for you. I just know the goodness that's at home. 
The Bible says in verse 20, he arose, he came to his father. Bible says, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. And the, and the father said, hey, 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 it don't matter what you've done. It don't matter that you've left the house. It don't matter how much you've done on the outside of these walls. Welcome home. He said unto his servants, bring forth the best robe. I want the absolute best robe that we have. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. Shoes on his feet. Matter of fact, why don't you bring the fatted calf, kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And they begin to be merry. I believe in this day and hour that we live in. And I believe it so strongly. That God is about to send the prodigals home. Here's the reason why. Because God knows that when the prodigals come home, that heaven's going to be ready for the bride of Christ to come home. There's some people that's on the outside of these four walls right now that that you may have given up hope on, that that you don't know exactly what they're doing right now, that you don't know how far that they're straying. But God knows everything that's going on. And if I can say this, I believe that God is about to prepare this place here in Salem, Illinois, To be a prodigal sanctuary. Because this is not, this is like the motto of Planet Fitness. This is a judgment free zone. It doesn't matter what you've been through in your life, it doesn't matter the things that you're going through now. Let me tell you something, church. There's not a drug addict so strong that God can't help them, there's not an alcoholic so bound that that God can't heal them. He's about to prepare this place for the prodigals to come home. Every head bowed in this place right now and every eye closed across the house. Hell has no place to repent, to find God, to start over again, to get it right, to find grace and mercy. Listen to me while your head's bowed. Inhale, everyone's going to pray and ask God for mercy. But in hell, there are no altars. The best thing about an altar is it's available all the time. And I can tell you right now, there's an altar here in this church. And you may have come today expecting a different preacher, a different sermon, but God is 
led you here right now. And you know what? This sermon may not be for you today. And I ask you and I beg of you today and I pray of this right now. If you didn't need this sermon, but there's somebody in your family that did. When you come to this altar, don't pray for yourself. Don't pray that God will just move in your life. I want you to find somebody that's in your family that you can pray for, that you can stand in the gap today. And I want you to begin to pray that God will smack them upside the face today and that God will bring them back to reality where they need to be. I don't know what you're going through in your life today. I don't know the things that have, that have happened this week to you. I don't know of anything like that. But I can tell you this. If you want God to move in your situation, if you want God to find you today, there's an altar here right now. Without any singers right now, just the piano playing softly, Every hand lifted. If there's somebody that you want to stand in the gap for today, would you come to this altar right now? Lift your hands and lift your voice and begin to pray that God will move in their life right now. Come on, you may have a kid that's outside of this church. You may have a husband. You may have a wife that needs God to move right now. You may have a mom, a dad, a sibling that God needs to take care of. Come on, every voice lifted to God right now.